Hey everyone, welcome to the Five Beer Plan. I'm Brian, and this is the ongoing saga of an everyman's ale trail. In this episode, I'll gush over labels and can art, talk about removing beer labels, hang out with Mark Osborne from Adroit Theory Brewing, and review Siege from Adroit Theory Brewing. In this segment of Tales from the Trail, I want to share some thoughts on label and can art. You can't go into a bottle shop today without being bombarded by a visual overload of amazing can art. I love the creativity that breweries employ for this aspect of the industry. I'm sure it does add some cost to each can produced, but it's a clever marketing tool because I'll admit to being swayed more than once by a certain brewery or beer series based on the can art. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose using this method of choice. Some of my favorite can art comes from Adroit Theory Brewing, whose can art is off the wall. It has a very heavy metal, yet futuristic and almost dystopian kind of vibe. I can't say enough about their pushing the envelope. Nightmare Brewing in New York brings in graphic scenes from what they call horrific history. 18th Street Brewery out of Hammond, Indiana employs a death metal kind of vibe with their labels. Listerman Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio, and Who Farted Brewing in Columbus, Ohio, have a very tongue-in-cheek and light-hearted approach to their labels. Straight to Ale in Huntington, Alabama do the same. I still have that can of Stout at the Devil in my collection. But the label art doesn't have to be intricate to be effective. Treehouse Brewing in Charlton, Massachusetts. Bearded Iris in Nashville, Tennessee. Or Rheingeist Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio. All have simple but very recognizable can art. In the past few years, I've seen a lot more regionally distributed breweries go through a rebranding of sorts in order to bring all their flagship beers into a well-crafted flight of fantasy for today's modern craft consumer. I suspect it is due in part to the middle-age crisis of the craft industry I spoke of in last month's episode. Great Lakes Brewing out of Cleveland, Ohio comes to mind with this, having updated their entire Imperial IPA series with Lake Erie Monster leading the way and a whole new visual lineup which is classic yet contemporary. Rogue Brewing in Portland, Oregon has done something similar as well, even going so far as to make animated shorts to tie in with their monster beers, Colossal Claude and Bat Squatch. Local favorite, Chapman's Brewing, have even gone so far as to include a poster of the monthly beer that may be pre-ordered from their roulette series. Even one of my longtime favorite can art masters, Anchorage Brewing Company, have traded their intelligent intertwining of humanity and nature for a more futuristic, almost cartoon-like, skeleton-themed approach. And it may not be a specific brewery that catches your eye. It might be a theme or an object. Birds are a very common subject on label art. The same goes for cats and dogs, too. Heavy Metal Masters Iron Maiden have Eddie immortalized on cans and bottles. Another one of my local favorites, Two Toms Brewing in Fort Wayne, Indiana, have their so-called Other Tom IPA series. They featured such names as Holland, Hiddleston, Petty, Chong, and even Turkey. I think you get the picture. This week's hop hack is about removing labels. In the early days of beer, there really wasn't a whole lot of variety in beer styles or label art. Those were the days you'd walk into your buddy's garage or basement and see a shelf displaying various cans or bottles of favorites or maybe even collectible versions of beer. Billy beer, anyone? Nowadays, you can actually go into antique stores and find these classic cans. Well, when I first started delving into the world of craft beer, I did the same. But eventually you realize you don't have space for every single can that looks amazing. The process of removing labels from cans happened more or less by accident. 
During COVID, I'd read somewhere that the aluminum cans that were being recycled had an overabundance of plastic contaminating the recycling centers due to the labels. Since my family and I recycle, I started to take the labels off of the cans to help do my part and reduce this. Then it hit me. Why not immortalize the ones that I really liked? Once I figured out how to do this reliably, I started to save them by adhering them to cardboard or an 8.5 by 11 piece of paper. I have a couple of binders full of can art that is meaningful to me. I've even seen people putting them on their beer fridge, tables, or the walls of their home bars. Removing a label really isn't too difficult to do with cans because they really are like an oversized sticker. If you can work up one corner of the label and slowly peel it off, nine times out of ten you can be successful. What I found is that you have to be really patient. I would recommend practicing on a can of something that you really weren't interested in keeping to get a feel for how to develop your methodology. Unfortunately, I found that bottles are a very different story. I have not had any luck at all in removing a label because the adhesive is so much different and not conducive to peeling. So I now just have a small collection of bottles that I've saved. All right, so welcome to Barstool Banter. I'm sitting down virtually with Mark Osborne from Adroit Theory Brewing at their Purcellville, Virginia location. So Mark, welcome. Appreciate you being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. So can you tell me, uh, how long has the brewery been open there? So we started in January of 2014. Ten days ago was our technical eighth anniversary. We unfortunately did not celebrate with the party uh, that we normally would, and we definitely didn't have one uh, last year for um, obvious reasons. Right. So this year we've decided to uh, to basically rebrand our anniversary party in the spring. So this year, and I think moving forward, unless the weather is terrible again, uh, March 26th will be our new birthday. Okay. Well, congratulations. That's pretty Thank great. You. What is uh, what is your role at the brewery? Uh, well, I'm the owner, so I wear multiple hats. I spend the majority of my time on like the branding and marketing side of it. So I do like all the social media, I do all the labels and art and all that good stuff. And then I do some production management, you know, like the ordering of the materials and, you know, uh, strategically deciding what we're going to brew. I do a lot of the adjunct projects. So like when we do the stouts, like I'm the one picking what we're going to be adding to them, but I don't brew. I have uh, brewers that work for me. And then we also contract brew. So I spent a lot of time dealing with the contract brewing side of the business. Well, how big of a system do you have there brewing wise? We have a 10 barrel system, a couple of 10s and a 20. So we can double brew and then a 20 barrel bright. So, um, and a couple smaller fermenters as well, but it's, you know, relatively modest in-house. We can pump out maybe 50 barrels if we were really hustling on a monthly basis in-house, yeah. um, which is why we also contract brew. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, my brother and I visited your facility back in October, and, and I was surprised at how small, not not to be you know negative or anything, I just was surprised at how small your operation was there, considering all the beers that you guys release monthly. I mean, it seems like you're rolling out six, eight, ten beers you know, every couple of weeks. So the contract brewing makes makes a lot of sense to, to be able to have partners to, to assist you. Yes, and, and yes, absolutely. Because you're right, no, I mean, up until literally like the last couple of weeks has been kind of slow, but like we normally release, I'd say between three and four new beers every week. Yeah. So yeah, we, you know, nine to 12 a month, plus, you know, some other like bigger batches um, in, to supplement that. So yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. We have this year, we've streamlined that a little bit. We'll still have a lot of new releases relative to everybody else, but we have streamlined it a little bit this year in terms of having 
uh, some core beers and some more seasonal beers versus just complete one-offs every single week. We'll supplement it with one-offs, of course, but you know, I think it'll make it a little bit easier, not only for us, but you know, for the customer who I'm sure is overwhelmed, try to keep track of everything. Yeah, I wish I lived a lot closer to uh, to the tap room. Uh, you probably uh, take a lot more out of my pocket than you already do. So ah. let's have some delicious <laughs> beers, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So the uh, the first beer I ever had from Adroit uh, was uh, one called All I See is Carrion, which is a Belgian quad. It was Ghost mm-hmm. 616, I wrote down. Okay. Uh, yeah. I got it through Tavor, which mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately no longer ships to my state or the state north of me or the state west of me. So uh, unfortunately, uh, Tavor is uh, no longer giving me what I want. So I'm glad to be in a state where I can still get some things shipped directly from the brewery. So besides shipping out of your storefront to select states, uh, how widely is your beer distributed in that region? It's funny, you know, we are a relatively small brewery, you know, in, in a general sense, um, pretty small, but we have a pretty large distribution footprint. So we distribute in Virginia, but again, it's not the majority of where our beer is sold. It's actually relatively difficult to get our beer in Virginia. Like even from the brewery, you'd probably have to drive 15, 20 miles away to find our beer somewhere. And then another 15 or 20 miles beyond that to find it somewhere else. So it's not widely distributed even in Virginia. But in the U.S., we distribute in Maryland, Pennsylvania, Arizona, California, Illinois and Oregon, soon to be Florida. And then we work with Tavor and they obviously, you know, move it to, I think it's like 26 different states, but again, they kind of cherry pick and you know, decide right. you know, which beer goes where. And then we do quite a bit internationally as well. So uh, most of Europe, not all, but you know, the vast majority of Europe, you can get it relatively easily. UK, Australia, Pan and China uh, pretty regularly. And uh, we've done then some small one-offs to like Thailand and Korea, New Zealand, places like that. That's really No cool. South America, no Mexico, no Canada. Oh, we have some beer to Russia too. You can get beer to Russia. Wow. Russian Imperial Stout, as a matter of fact. That's surprising. As I was actually, <laughs> that's, that's all they wanted. I was like, oh, well, that's like, awesome. Selling, you got selling an ESB in, in England or something, you know, like, wow. One of the other things, uh, so I've, I've had several uh, beers from Adroit over the years. One of the first things that uh, really drew me to seek out your beer is the sick can art. Uh, you mentioned that you're in charge of, you know, some of the, the artistry and production that way. I just want to show you a couple things that I've got here. So I, I usually keep a, 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 I peel the labels off and keep a few. So like this one is from your Evangelion oh, yeah. series. Yeah, Love that art. The Dune series. Yeah, really cool to have that inspired art. This one's awesome. I love the Revenge of the Damned, this chocolate porter. That's just oh, such yeah. A cool, no, that one turned out pretty sick. Very That's simple, cool. but man, I love it. This is this is probably one of my favorites here. Made me hungry. Cannibalism. Uh, <laughs> nothing like having a zombie <laughs> on a can eating somebody's brain. That, that's clever. And then, uh, and that, of course, that's a Russian Imperial. You know, what lies beneath, mm-hmm. what evil yeah. is beneath. Yeah. That's cool. That's kind of an alien inspired one. And then, uh, and then this one I love as well. Um, oh, Coven, yeah. Coven, I, I just love the, the upside down nature to it. I just thought that was really clever. So where does the inspiration come from for the artwork in the series, clearly? Um, so, uh, you know, obviously uh, I like, you know, dark and ominous things, yeah. uh, generally speaking. Um, you know, I, I, I'm into that. And I've always been, uh, you know, very much into 
art and you know things that were clever you know like with hidden messages or hidden symbolism or you know repeating patterns that maybe not were that decipherable right off the bat so i mean just from you know from a personal perspective even before i got into beer before i started the brewery that's something i really enjoyed i'm not an artist i never pretend to you know be the person actually painting or drawing the art but i was always attracted to that kind of stuff so like when I'd go to a record store when those things existed, like though I guess they're making a comeback. You know, I mean that, you know, I, I love browsing with my eyes. Yeah. I was in comic books and it's the same thing, right? You're buying with your eyes. You have no idea what the story is or what's on the inside of the comic book, right? Or, you know, how great this album is unless somebody referred it to you. But like you're looking at the album cover, like, yes, that is awesome. I, you know, I'm curious. I want to learn more. Um, so when I decided to start the brewery, I wanted to make our cans or bottles actually when we started look like album covers i mean that was definitely you know the goal and that they would sit on the shelf and be very very distinct and very unique and eight nine or ten years ago really when i was dreaming up the starting the brewery nobody i mean with the exception of like three floyds and not even like all their stuff but like their dark lord you know was doing anything even remotely similar to what I wanted to create in, in, in the 10 years that have passed, obviously now there's some people that also do, you know, put a big emphasis on art. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate what they're doing. You know, we really try to push the envelope, you know, make, yeah. make something that is just standalone badass that like you will want to peel the label off and frame it or, you know, you know, wear it as a t-shirt because you're proud of it or heaven forbid, get a tattoo of it. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, so we, uh, we're definitely into the art. We wanted to look as badass on the outside as it is, you know, liquid wise on the inside. I would say you're, you've succeeded in that, my friend. You say you don't do any of the art yourself. Do you have artists in house that do that? Or do you contract that out to a few people that, that help you out? Uh, we contract it out. Um, I mean, I have like a local person that I use, but it's mostly for like text, not like- Right, the, just the, the layouts. The, the, you know, like the government warning and that kind of stuff. Right. I draw that stuff locally. Um, but everybody else I work with is all over the world. I mean, most of them uh, I've never met before, just other than virtually. But usually what it is, is, you know, I'll come up with a concept and I have like multiple concepts going at all times and basically just waiting Till the right beer comes along that we're going to make like ooh, you know yes we finally get an opportunity to to do a dune inspired you know series because you know we have an opportunity to do it but you know I, I conceptualize the project and use all these you know inspiration boards and you know very very in-depth planning of what like the look and feel of it is and then my job is finding the right person and i have about a dozen people i work with and we do add new people uh, particularly if it's going to be something that like, you know, the other 12, maybe it's out of their wheelhouse, but it's really all about finding the right artist and letting them do what they do, which would be awesome, right? Like I give them all of the, you know, you're heading in the right direction. This is conceptually it. Here's the inspiration pieces, but you do you versus, you know, I, I want this to be blue and I want a lightning bolt coming down from the sky. You know, like I don't do any of that type of nonsense. I literally right. let them be creative. And I think, the output, I think, shows for itself. Matter of fact, I think some of our weakest labels, which people still like, but you know, the weakest labels are the ones where I gave them too much instruction. Another thing I noticed on your can art, which may or may not be unique, it's something that I'd never seen before, are the uh, the cigar, food, cheese, music recommendations that you have. I'm looking back at this uh, What Evil Lurks, which is probably a couple of years old and I see only a food, cheese and cigar. So you've added music uh, to some of the, the newer releases. What, uh, where did you come up with that? I mean, what was the inspiration behind that? 
because I think, again, that's another unique selling point that you have. Yeah, thank you. The, first of all, the music we added January of last year. Never did it for the first seven years. Never even occurred to me, to be honest with you. And somebody mentioned it to me. I was like, you know what? That's actually a very good idea. I should do that. Although it's funny, the 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 most of the feedback I get is never the food, cheese, or cigar. People are like, oh, I don't think that's a good pairing. It's the music. Like, <laughs> you possibly pick dead Kennedys for this beer. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, right. you know, I'm a bit of a foodie at heart. I like fancy food. I like common food too. Don't get me wrong, but I like I like fancy things. I like pairings. I went to a cheese pairing one time before I started the brewery, and it was just mind blowing because I, you know, I love cheese. They put this cheese out, and it was just repulsive, right? I mean, it was just one of those cheeses you're just like, mm. and then they put the the beer out, and, and I was just like, oof, this is not for me. But then when you put them together, it was like you know, just absolutely perfect because they knew what they were doing. When I started the brewery that, you know, I, I've definitely focused on the foodie aspect of it with the food and the cheese that like, you know, you can make, you can make the beer better by making smart recommendations. And then the cigars are that again, I, you know, I guess I have a lot of vices. I like cigars. Um, and so, you know, cigars are also something that people always associate with scotch or bourbon, you know, and yeah. very, yeah, very rarely anything else, but beer with cigars, not all beers, some, you know, some cigars can overpower beers, but almost all beer can be paired with the right cigar and make it better, make the cigar better, make the beer better. And I really think that's important. So I spend a lot of time and effort to make it happen. You know, I don't just say, hey, you should eat beef, you know, with this beer. Right. And I try to be, try to be pretty specific. Yeah, I know. I know personally, I've, I've looked at some of these recommendations and I'm thinking, and I'm a bit of a foodie as well. I think that uh, uh, that's one of the things that, that pairs well with, you, you know, mentioned, you know, bourbon, you know, whiskey, you know, wine, uh, you know, pairs well with food in general. Uh, and I'm looking at some of these things going, hmm, I don't think I've ever had anything like that, but roasted quail, eh, I'll just do like a rotisserie chicken. That's close enough. <laughs> well, you know, I do get people bust my balls. Um because as they'll say, they're like, well, it's saying that I'm supposed to have, you know, um, you know, duck cone feet with this, but I'm looking at my fridge and all I have is bologna. I guess that's going to have to do, you know, and I'm like, well, it's actually not that, that dissimilar. Right. But we actually did one beer um, called uh, Strictly for My Grind. Yeah, it's cold, still right? on my grind, which are like, you know, just lagers, clean and simple. Yeah. So we decided to put, you know, simple pairings on them. So like, there's like, I think it's like Taco Bell, like a Dorito Loco is like the food pairing on yeah. the Mexican lager. And, you know, there's like a Dutch Masters for the cigar. You know, I try to, I try to, you know, if it's a simple beer, I try to go with simple recommendations. That's great to have a little tongue in cheek fun with it too. So, I mean, hell, it's your beer, so you can do what you want with it. I did put camel. Uh, we've never done camel meat on a beer, but there's a beer coming out next week and uh, camel meat's on the menu. <laughs> Interesting. So tell me about this, uh, this ghost uh, numbering system that you have. I think, again, that's another unique selling point to, uh, to what you do. Does that just kind of help you keep track of the different variants you have? And uh, Yes. I mean, that's when we first decided to do that, which we did from day one. Like, I mean, before okay. we even opened, like the, like the first like ghost one, two periods we made before we were even open, there were like, you know, like test batches and stuff. But, you know, the idea was to basically just, you know, be able to catalog it uh, in general. I mean, it's cooler to say ghost one than batch one. Initially, a nod to Nine Inch Nails and their Halo numbering system with their albums. And, you know, we thought it would be cool. Uh, but it's been very useful because, as you can imagine, we've made a lot of beers. We're, you know, we're into like, I think we're in like 1150-ish right now, which is a lot. 
And so it becomes a lot easier to find, you know, variations and, you know, beers that have similar titles and stuff by using the ghost number. But the other part was, is I wanted to make sure that, you know, because you get, you have fans from day one and then you have fans from yesterday and all the way in between. And I wanted to make sure that the fans knew where they were getting on the ride. You know, right. you, said you got your first beer was ghost 616. Well, okay. Well, that was about three years ago, you know, so I now know, and, and now you know that there were 615 things that preceded that, <laughs> that you may want to go check out. Um, so it was multiple reasons. Plus I also like the confusing nature of it that like people have never heard of us, you know, you know, they get this beer and it's like, oh, that's ghost number 1047. And they're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what's happening? I don't know what's happening here. What, uh, what is your, your favorite style of beer? Uh, well, I'm an equal opportunity drinker. So uh, likewise, yeah, cheers. I love all beer. There's, it'd be easy for me to say which beers I'm not real so keen on. Well, let's start with that. What beers don't you like? What is your least favorite style, Mark? Okay, so I know a lot of people like this type of beer, but it's, it's, a, it's okay. I'm literally just discussing this yesterday. This is liquid therapy, man. So brown ales, particularly English style brown ales, I'm like, ugh. So like Dogfish Head, for instance, makes uh, an India Brown IPA, which I actually think is pretty cool, and I like that beer. But like the majority of them, I'm like, not for me. I also put red ales in the same category, although slightly less horrifying but uh is that just because they're they're big and malty is that kind of no the... i love malty beers I'm okay novel box barley wines martsons yeah. and i mean I'm, I'm very much into uh malt i just there's something about english brown ales i think it's the ringwood yeast that they use that just i find very off-putting so um i avoid those uh okay. but short of that i pretty much like all beer and even those i'll drink like you know i go to someone's house they hand me it hand me a brown ale yeah thank you i'll drink it not a problem right probably won't ask for the second one but but no i mean i think in terms of like i mean i like all beer and obviously i like the styles of beers that we make uh my personal favorite if i had to pick is probably a black ipa cascadian dark ale whatever definitely fallen out of fashion so i have to be careful saying that i do love stouts in general so you know russian imperial stouts imperial stouts not so keen on uh like irish dry stouts but you know whatever and, you know, I love, I love IPAs, West Coast, Hazy, not so keen on fruit in, uh, in IPAs. That's not, not my jam, but um, I like fruity. But like I said, there's very few beers I don't like. And again, like you can look at our portfolio and you'll see, I mean, there's certain beers we've never brewed, like ever, and no plans to do that. And again, we make beer that I am interested in drinking, not like what, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about what customers might want. I make what I want to make and hope okay. they like it. Last call. It's nearly time to wrap things up, but first, one more for the road. This episode, I'm drinking Siege from Adroit Theory Brewing in Purcellville, Virginia. This is one of their newer beers, and sadly, the last of their Cobra series. It features Cobra Commander and two of his Crimson Guard on the front. If you've never seen the label art from this series, it's pretty clever. It's got that red, white, and blue propaganda type feel to it. And, as a child of the 80s, it caters to the comics and action figures that were popular at that time. The can art is even available as 12 by 18 inch posters on their website. The can says it is Ghost 1169 and a hazy triple IPA clocking in at 10%. A session beer, as Mark puts it. Without further delay, so as I pour the beer out, it has a nice deep golden color to it. So it certainly is a, a hazy beer. Can't see through it. It has a uh, nice fine white head. 
It has a very aromatic nose. Get a lot of citrus, very like drippy, juicy, overripe citrus on the nose. It's super soft on the tongue. I really like the way that Adroit approaches their IPAs in that they want them to be drinkable, uh, enjoyable, and deceptively dangerous, the Adroit factor. I don't think it's necessarily maybe as smooth as some of the other beers in the series, but it doesn't diminish from my enjoyment of this at all. It's definitely got some nice citrus peel, hoppiness on the on the palate. A little bit of bitterness, but it's not overwhelming. It's just enough that it makes you want to go back for yet another sip. This isn't my first experience with the, the Cobra-inspired series from Adroit. There were seven of their original series. I didn't get into them until midway through the, the first run, and so I had to wait for them to come out uh, again the following year in order to finish off the series. Again, I'm a collector. Uh, the can art is cool. It uh, brings back a lot of nostalgia for me uh, as, a, as a kid. My brother, who uh, really liked uh, G.I. Joe, uh, we had a lot of adventures playing with the action figures. This is a very, very delicious beer. It's got a great hop balance to it. So I look forward to, uh, to trying the other four beers that came uh, in this last round to finish off the entire 12-beer series. So I'd recommend if you see this in your local bottle shop or if you happen to be anywhere near the taproom at Adroit or maybe if you have Tavor or some other online source that you can buy some of this beer, this series is killer. I like IPAs, I like doubles, I like triples, and boy, Siege, another very solid entry in the Cobra series. That's the last one of the series. So overall, I would give this a solid four tasters out of five on the flight board. As the can says, consume life drink art. Cheers, Adroit! If you've got a beer you'd like me to drink and describe, leave a comment below. If you're a brewer and you have one in mind, direct message me on Instagram and let's see what we can do. That's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time when I'll highlight beer fests, share another hop hack, and riff on beer styles with the one and only Mark Osborne from Madroit Theory Brewing. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5beerplan2022, and leave a comment to let me know what brewery makes your favorite label art. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends.
That's all for this episode of the 5 Beer Plan. With so many podcasts out there, thanks for choosing to listen to mine. Join me next time when I'll talk labels and can art, share another hop hack, and riff with self-professed metalhead Mark Osborne from Adroit Theory Brewing. Remember to hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes. I'd love to hear from you, so please follow me on Instagram, 5beerplan2022, and leave a comment to let me know whether you are an independent craft brewery purist or an ambivalent craft beer drinker and why. Be sure to support your local breweries, choose your beers wisely, and drink them responsibly. Until next time, keep walking your ale trail, and stay thirsty, my friends.